I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about a master assassin called Danny Moran. He's forced to come out hiding when an old enemy kidnaps the woman he loves. To save her life, he must kill a warlord, a human trafficker and an arms dealer and make the deaths look like accidents. Not easy, but Narva is getting a 1982 Ford Escort to pass an MOT when the brake lights don't work, the windows are all shot out, and there's a severed leg in the boot. And that's just a regular Monday night for the mechanic. Is what I would be saying if this was a pod adaptation of the 2016 film The Mechanic Resurrection, starring Jason Statham. Instead, it's just a podcast in which we talk about and review films. I'm Sam Foster, and joining me... A man who is as skilled at the art of murder as he is at fixing the wobble in your fender by Thursday, if you can get the parts in time. I don't know anything about cars. I've never been to a garage. Uh, Danny Moran. Hello. On this week's film chat, I review Their Finest, which sounds like what they would call the exclusive brand at Whole Foods, but is in fact a film about British propaganda filmmaking in World War II. I will be honouring the style of the film by delivering my most patriotic review yet. It'll be a bit like this. We few. We happy few. We band of brothers. For he today that listens to my review shall be my brother. Be he near so vile, this day shall gentle his condition. And gentlemen England, now abed, shall think themselves accursed they did not listen to my review and hold their manhoods cheap, whilst any speaks that listen to my verdict on the latest Lone Sherford film their finest. Then we both review Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, the sequel to the 2014 blockbuster smash that brings back all the iconic characters. The the blue one? The other blue one? The one that's blue and red? The the green one's there? And the, the tree? The raccoon? Chris Pratt? All of them. In all of that film style, we'll be reviewing it in slow motion while a 70s folk song plays in the background. It'll sound a bit like this. Plus, we wonder if a sci-fi film about cloning is the project to revitalize Ang Lee and Will Smith's careers, and wonder if the latest David Fincher-Brad Pitt collaboration will be as good as Fight Club, or as fucking shit as The Curious Case of Benjamin Button. All of which should leave me just enough time to perform my latest impression, Jerry Seinfeld playing Travis Bickle in a sitcom version of Taxi Driver. Are you talking to me? Come on! I'm the only guy here! You fuckers, you screwheads! That's very, yeah, so, well, great. 
What a performance this is. You oh. got you've done so many different characters in one game. Yeah, I'm preparing for my Rada audition. Very versatile. What did you think? I thought well, I I'd cast you as a Rada student. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The first play is actually about Rada itself. <laughs> and the first scene is an audition. Films, 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 lots of films, 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 films. He's good films, bad films, fun films, sad films, films we love, weird films, Lars von Trier films, old films, new films, some John Boo films, films that star Peter Fitch, films by David Lynch, films short, films six hours long, we've got films up to your So we don't have any correspondence this week, but but we have something much better than correspondence. A man, a human man, who has written into us before, Dougal McQueen. Hi, Dougal. Hey, Dougal. Hi, how are you doing? Nice Good. Uh, it's a delight to have you here. Do you have anything you want to share, Alcoholic Anonymous style? Any 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 film facts you've brought with you? Um. Uh. Well, no. Start that again. No. Cut. Fuck. <laughs> no, no. That's perfect. That's what. Well, that's exactly the response I wanted. Um. I thought. <laughs> Uh, we should use this time, since we don't have any proper correspondence, to talk about a film Danny and I saw at the weekend. Uh, we had a lovely day together, Danny and me. We had a sort of date, day, full day, uh, hanging out, and we capped it off with probably one of, like... I don't think I've ever laughed harder during a film. Uh, we watched B-Movie, which has sort of become like a meme lately, right? It's yeah. like, I, there's a lot of the gags online, a lot of the funny online people have been using it to make jokes. But I didn't know that much about it, other than that it's a project of Jerry Seinfeld's, and it involves a bee suing the human race for stealing honey, which sounds stupid enough. But we started watching it just to kind of... Because we were going to watch the Lego Batman movie. Yeah, downloading and that. We were downloading that, and we just sort of popped on B-Movie to kill the time. And you, we couldn't stop. It was immediately... It was incredible. It was gripping. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a film with less internal consistency. i genuinely not sure I could like think of one or that one exists it's a film where every single joke challenges the reality that the film is based upon almost the first thing that happens in the film is like the inside of a hive where they're making the honey which is a kind of factory and seinfeld and his bee friend take a car to work but they can fly obviously because they're bees so it's like why are they in a car and that (laughs) that sort of sets the tone for basically the entire film, where everything that happens is continually making you question the, the entire reality of the movie. It's one of the weirdest decisions. So you're Seinfeld. When did, you, when did Seinfeld stop airing? I like, don't know, like two, around 2000 or something? Right, he did a few stand-up tours. He's like, the world's one my next, oyster. Yeah. I'm, I've got millions and millions from the you know reruns and the you know royalties. What can I possibly make? A film about a bee. And it's, yeah. and it's the weirdest, like, I don't know who the audience is. It's got this, like, smart aleck New Yorker humor, but no internal logic. It's, like, the stupidity of, like, a kid's movie for, like, really slow children. But the humor of, like, a sarky New Yorker thing. It's, like, who is this film for? It's insane. Well, we watched it after watching Moana, which is, like, a pretty good Disney movie. Which Dougal gave me the copy of. Thanks, Dougal. Uh, you're very welcome. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, yeah we yes. thought it was good. It was really good. Uh, but it was noticeable, you know, because in comparison to B movie, 
it's obviously been this long project. They've thought very carefully about the themes and the structure of the story, and it's everything is you know fully worked through, a bit like Pixar movies and stuff. And it's you know this labor, it's very carefully constructed labor of professionals. Beautiful looking movie. Beautiful looking, and B movie looks like total garbage. <laughs> I know it was animated ten years earlier, but it just looks terrible. And like it looks like there was one draft of the script written by Jay Seinfeld in an afternoon, probably not while sober. Um, in between, like, test driving his Porsches or whatever it is that he does with his time. Uh, getting coffee. Getting getting his coffee. And, yeah, it was just, it was just incredible, incredible what a, me- what a mess it was. And I was like, I just loved it. I love the fact that Seinfeld is, like, 50, like, five years old. He's playing, like, a 16-year-old B. And, like, the, the, the jokes are so, like, defiantly bad. There's this, there's this concept that, like, bees can speak but they don't ever speak to humans because that's against a bee law. The guy's like, that's, that's, a, break, that's, that's a, a bee, bee law. That's a bee law. That's breaking the bee law. Humans can't talk to bees. Bees can't talk to humans. Yeah, and then like they break, he breaks the bee law to speak to um, whoever it is. Uh, Rennie Zellweger. Rennie Zellweger. And then about two scenes later, there's like a giant court case that's broken out. She's his like attorney or something. And this is introduced by like some news footage, some human news footage. And people are gathering outside the court. And the news anchor says that they've got that outside the court to, like, you know, uh, because people are curious about this case where, like, bees are suing humanity. And they want to find out if it's true that bees can talk. And you're supposed to believe that <laughs> that it's got this far. The court, the courtroom is full of bees. Like, there's, like, a whole side of it. There's bees. And, and, and yet there's still a question over whether they can talk or not. It's amazing. They got there. They got there. <laughs> People are like, maybe order bees could They got talk. a tiny briefcase. <laughs> they constructed little chairs for the bees and stuff. I don't know. It's just so good. So I, I really recommend, basically. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. And I really think you should check it out. It's like it's like the room of animated films. You know, every single scene has something else. has another what the fuck moment in it. It's truly, it's truly incredible. Yeah, and it gets better and better. And like it the, gets better and better. Ending. Like, the end. Oh, my God. It's got this absolutely bonkers ending. Yeah, I mean, maybe I, sh- I don't want to spoil any more of it because it's so good. Did it give you, like, any inside track on, you know, the behavior of, of bee colonies? Or did you see any wagon No, dances? it's all bullshit. There's some, like, bee so no, facts, no, like, you know? There's a couple of bee facts. For example, there's it, at one point they mentioned that uh, bees can't fly in rain. No, they can't. But that's used to have a whole sequence where Seinfeld is uh, B. Seinfeld. He's out and about, and uh, it starts raining, and he's like, "Oh no! Oh, it's raining!" It's like, like surely bees aren't just like killed anytime it rains. You know what I mean? Like they live outside, don't they? Like how how much of a they won't go out? They're just fi- they just hide under a leaf or something. Yeah. You know, it can't be that dangerous. Uh, but yeah, there's a few <laughs> there's a few facts along the, along those lines. Well, I would personally be very scared of that film because. Last time I got stung by a bee, I I was ill for about two weeks. Is that true? Are you allergic yeah, to bees? Yeah, I know. When I was a child, I got stung by bees, you know, left, right, and center, and it was fine. Then I hit what? 25, started crying in movies, started being all grown up and weirdo, and now bees sting me. And I did you did you develop superpowers? Like, are you like bee man? Got like a gammy arm and everything. Uh, no, not did as you, far as I know. Although yeah. I haven't tested that out. I yeah, do, I do jump out the window, see what happens. Gammy, not gamma. I, that's not a go. That's not a joke. You got a gammy arm, Jiggle. Ga- was it gammy? No, it was a bit gammy. Now is I it can, okay? I can make honey out of my ass. Out of my, out of my ass. Oh. <laughs>
Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated, Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated, Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped, Matt Damon's in a viral vid, Michael Bay's made a mint, that's the news that's fit to print. Fascinating news story. Will Smith, that aging A-lister, is he still an A-lister or has he had too many... I don't think he can... That's, like, stamped on his soul, you know? I don't think he can get out of that now. He's like Tom Cruise. He's always an A-list. Exactly. Guy. He's like Tom Cruise. No number of flops will ever expel him from that status. Fair enough. Well, he hasn't had a hit in a while, it's fair to say. And that might be turning around because he's attached to the film Gemini Man, which recently attached acclaimed director Ang Lee, who's also just had a big flop with Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. Yeah, which is barely are, released. Titles are too long. I feel Ang Lee, it's got to be between three and four words. Short titles and long titles, bad Ang Lee movie. What about Crouching Tiger, Hidden... Oh, right, okay. That's four, four words. Hulk, but It's, it's not a short. Billy Ling's Halftime Walk, flop. Oh, I see. So one word movies, no good. Lust and Caution, massive hit. Three Was words. It? <laughs> <laughs> Was in China. All right, fair enough. Anyway, so well. Ang Lee and Will Smith are boarding Gemini Man. The plot involves... An aging hitman who wants to retire, but to do so he has to battle a clone of his younger self, which sounds ridiculous, but in Ang Lee's hands could be quite interesting. Sounds a lot like a looper. Isn't that what happens in Logan? He literally battles a clone of his younger self. That's also a film where that happens? This is the sort of thing that sounds like a wacky premise, and then you're like, wait a second, five movies in the last ten years have featured this exact thing happening. <laughs> wait, does it happens in Terminator Genesis? He also yeah. fights his younger self. Yes. You can barely move for movies in which this exact thing happens. But have you seen Will Smith fight his younger self? No, I haven't. Do you I think this is his raging ego unchecked? It's a bad casting because he is not aged enough. He looks good. I feel like you want to cast somebody who's really aged terribly or, or, or just looks drastically different. Like Johnny Depp. Yeah, like Johnny Depp. You've got to have him fight the version of Johnny that's not been utterly wrecked by drugs and booze. Like dead man Johnny Depp. Versus like Black Mass Johnny Depp. Yeah, exactly. And you know, or like Downey Jr. You know, someone who's really been through the ringer, who's got, who really has worn the scars of their life on their face. You know. Sure. Whereas Will Smith, I feel like he just looks great. Well, the thing is, young Will Smith before Ali, he's pretty skinny guy. I would bet on old Will Smith to beat up young Will Smith. Sure. Yeah. But what, what, like, is young Will Smith like he can run faster, but old Will Smith can knows how to do his tax returns. How does it balance up on like the top Trump's cards, you know? Well, do you think that's how they'd be fighting each other? Like not physically, but just in a number of different like areas, like yeah, like a series just of in challenges. general grown-up capability and you know. But wouldn't you get Jaden Smith to fight him if that was the case? Well, maybe they will. Maybe... In which case, he would not be able to let his son win. Yeah, cause the because the young the young clone of him could be like young as in like fourteen years old, right? Like, we don't know how young we're talking. Or like, or, like, five years old. Or five years old, yeah. In which case, Jaden Smith is a bit too old, unless they de-age him with CGI to the <laughs> age of five. But also, I feel like Will Smith doesn't let his son win at anything. Like, I, I think he's a bit of a pushy dad, to be honest. Yeah, well, are you just going by the movie After Earth? Uh, that and, and, and yes. And, yeah, and reality. And in the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, where he just owns his son repeatedly. <laughs> it's just the whole movie. It's just him, like, absolutely... Terrible crushing his fucking son it was like street fighter that's awful we've discussed this before but will smith rarely works with a-list directors because he's always going to be the most important guy on the set right he's yeah just, he's a bit of a sort of like am i awesome in this movie Do well, I maybe this guns? is why this is why it's a good time because ang lee is at a bit of a low ebb you know so maybe he doesn't have the clout to push will smith around yeah but 
know, Ang Lee's always interesting. I haven't seen Billy Lynn's long halftime walk, but he kind of turns his hands to most genres pretty successfully. Yeah. I haven't seen an Ang Lee movie that was really bad. Maybe I've just avoided the ones that are supposed to be bad. I've got a soft spot for that 2003 Hulk. I think it's pretty good. That's a great film. Yeah, yeah it's good. It's got, it's got a completely, it's got a very wacky ending, which in a way is almost like a strength of the film. Yeah, it's like a sort of Sam Shepard play, sort of weird Freudian thing. I don't know, it's so mental. the whole conclusion where Hulk ends up sort of flying through the clouds made of electricity and stuff, it's completely bizarre. And it's got a scene where he fights like three mutant poodles. I mean, come on. <laughs> right, this is a good movie. It's a great film. Fact. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm uh, I'm excited for it. I hope that Ang Lee brings a younger clone of himself to the sets to balance out Will Smith's star power. Everyone should have a younger clone of themselves working on this. A movie. sense of sensibility, Ang Lee. The life of Pi, Ang Lee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, do we know anything else about the uh, the plot of this film, Danny? Other than that's it. Will I... Smith, he's a hitman. He's got a clone of himself. He's got to fight him to retire. He's got to fight him in order to retire. If you're good enough. To destroy a young version of yourself, you're good enough to retire? Surely if he got the shit kicked out of him, he's like, well, you're obviously past it. You should retire. Yeah. Up to the job. Well, we got an issue in this country with um, an unpayable pension deficit. So I think we should start raising the bar for retirement. Is that what deleting the triple lock is all about? Yeah. You have to fight a young version of yourself. You've got to fight a a young clone of yourself. You know, if you want that, if you want the full pension. You're going to be locked in a room three times with your younger self. I think that the only ethical person to kill would be yourself, but a clone and younger than you. I think yeah. that's that's ethical murder. I don't want to murder somebody, but I want to experience the feeling of killing somebody. I don't want to murder someone else. I just murder myself. Obliterate myself as a clone. The pity more. Yeah, and then I feel that'd be fine. And it would, and I think that like having hand-to-hand combat is just you know healthy for the nation's psyche and financially sound as well, fiscally responsible. So as a kind of manifesto, political manifesto, I'm fully in favor of this film. Vote Labour. Vote Labour. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today. Checking in on another big director on the, on the directing scene, another Colossus, David Fincher, who recently made... Gone Girl. Gone Girl. Thank you, Jenny. Uh, and he's looking on for his next project. And oddly enough, it is going to be, for some reason, a sequel to World War Z, that Brad Pitt zombie film, which I don't think anyone in this room has seen. I've, anyone, seen, I've seen it. Except for Danny, who's seen it. And uh, But it was like that had like reshoots and stuff, had a bit of a troubled production. Yeah, apparently the whole third act was scrapped and then reshot. And it was going to be this sort of climactic battle in Russia, and it was just this room in Cardiff. Instead. Instead. Yeah. Though, interesting bit of trivia, Peter Capaldi's in it. This is pr- before he was in Doctor Who, was in it as a doctor who works for the World Health Organization. So he was a Who doctor. Dr. WHA. And they were like, what does it mean? Hashtag Illuminati. But yeah, it wasn't very good. It was, I think the press around it was like, wow, that, that was actually a film that made sense. Despite all the naysaying and various problems, they managed to reshoot it into a actual it's film. Like a movie, yeah. But... I don't know how a sequel would work exactly. And in many ways, it would it's not really burdened by anything from the first movie because it's just Brad Pitt is in a film and there's zombies and he survives the day. 
Yeah, I sort of got the impression that it was not that successful. Maybe it made enough money. I guess it did. Uh, but it's a bit of an odd uh, project for Fincher to choose since you feel like he is uh, enough of a big deal to be able to pick what he wants to do. And it's been a while since he's done that kind of like studio sequel fare. He, he made Alien Cubed. And he's disowned Alien, it. Aliens Cubed. He disowned it. It's not in the part of the fin- the personal Fincher canon. But yeah, that kind of like director for higher studio work, I think he'd be out of it. Well, him and Brad Pitt are buddies. They've made three films together. Yeah. We were speculating earlier that maybe this is like just a chance for them to hang out a bit, help Brad get over his divorce. Maybe Finch has been going through a tough time as well. And it's just bro time. Bro time. It's just good, like friendly, just hanging out, making sure they're okay. Maybe make a little film. Act one of World War Z2 or Z2. The wife dies and then he's got a bro character. He's like, let me tell you something about your wife. She never even liked you. She was a horrible person. And then it reveals information about her. Listen, your wife, Jangelina Oli, was no good. And yeah. it's just all about, it's going to be like a meta thing. It's going to be his lemonade. Yeah, it's going to be his It's going to be Brad Pitt's lemonade. Exactly. It's going to be like a massive cultural moment. And it's going to be like dedicated to all the men out there going through family court, struggling to see their kids. There's got to be a way you can turn the, you know, are the, are the cruel, rapacious society that won't let men see their children just always like... Uh, litigates in favor of women and and mothers you know there's got to be a zombie angle on that <laughs> how do you make a film that is a sequel to a film about a world war called Z well how does it how does it world work on how does it work on a, on Microsoft Excel when you go past Z you can only have Z surely what does it go to Z A or Z one World War Z World War Z point one I don't know I guess they would just do World War Z2. That would be my guess, but... That's a bloody unwieldy title, isn't it? It's a bit unwieldy. Maybe World War Z, colon, something. Something. Family Court. Family Court. (laughs) (laughs) World War War Z, colon, Fathers for Justice. Yeah. Yeah. And now for Danny to review a film he recently saw. Was it staggeringly brilliant? Was it astonishingly poor? How did Danny form a judgment? We're about to hear his thoughts. If he does a rubbish job, then Sam will tell him off. So, Their Finest, this is directed by Lone Scherfig, who previously made An Education and One Day and The Riot Club. She's uh, Danish, I believe, but she's just moved to Britain and makes movies about toffs. That's her thing. Mm hmm. And the film is set in 1940s London, where Gemma Otten plays Catherine Cole. She's a Welsh secretary who is working for the Ministry of Information. And her knack for writing female dialogue gets her a job working alongside Tom Buckley, played by Sam Claffin, to write a script about uh, Dunkirk, which will be an authentic but optimistic tale to boost the country's morale. And the film is about the making of this film within a film and the various constraints put upon it by the government and the egos involved, especially pompous Fesp Ambrose Hilliard, played by Bill Nye. Here's a clip of Jim Martin and Sam Claffin spitballing how to solve an issue with the story. What if it's not the engine? What if it's the propeller? It gets snarled up with flotsam, Uncle Frank goes in the water to free it, gets shot, and the girls have to finish the job under fire. Not the girls. Not the girls. No. Uh, Johnny. Johnny? Is there an echo in here? Why him? Because he's a hero. So? Well, how do we know he's a hero if he never does anything heroic? Well, he's called Johnny. Are you trying to pick a fight with me, Mrs. Cole? Johnny can't go in the water. He's injured. Badly injured. Manly slash on the bicep, for Christ's sake. He's he's not going to be leaking spleen through his trousers. 
Rose and Lily's story and you won't let them do anything. They go to Dunkirk. And Johnny pilots them home. They're girls. Girls don't want to be the hero. They want to have the hero. They want to be had by him. Tom oh. Cam. So if you've seen the poster and the trailer for this film, you probably know what you're in for. And it is very much that film. It's a very untaxing, charming, cozy watch with some brilliant performances, which is slightly let down by some uh, decisions about how to tackle the story. And a lot of the film's success is down to the cast. All the characters are pretty broad strokes, but they've hired actors who can fill the gaps in the script. And Sam Claflin is very good in it. My relation to Sam Claflin is kind of like my relationship to his character in The Hunger Games, in that I thought he was like a sort of idiot, jock, GQ model actor, and then he's really good. You know in Hunger Games you turn up and you're like, this guy is just a jog moron, but he's this like nuanced, deep character. Yeah. That's my relation to Sam Claflin, the man. I'm like, you're just so handsome, how can you be good at acting? But he is. He's got that weird, like, slightly inbred handsomeness, you know, where it just looks a bit too sort of square. Yeah. It's like every member of the Riot Club is cast that way. They look like they've just emerged from some weird, posh, handsome vat. Too many cheekbones. Yeah. He's got at least seven or eight cheekbones. It's, <laughs> un it's deeply unsettling. Deeply unsettling amount of cheekbones. And he judges it really well because all the male characters have to be slightly dismissive and sexist, but he's also got to be likable. And he kind of judges that line very well. And Bill Nye is just the funniest man ever. He can You can give him any old shit to work with and he'll just make it work. Yeah. And basically his character is, you know, he's just pompous and all the jokes work in the same way. But he finds ways to do that in really nuanced and different ways. And he's brilliant in it. And Jim Martin kind of holds the whole thing together. And even when the drama's a little inert, she is just so watchable that you just kind of go along with it. However, where the film comes undone for me is that it's the kind of movie that wants to have its cake and eats it. And it doesn't quite succeed in doing this. Doesn't finish the whole cake. There's some cake left. Yeah. At least half the cake is just on the cho floor. Choking on the cake. Choking on the cake. And there's a deliberate kind of meta niche of the script where the film within the film, to some extent, parallels the film. Uh, that sentence makes sense, right? Um, for example, one of the things the producer is keen on is having a cute dog in this propaganda film. But the film itself, Bill Nye has an agent who has a cute dog. Are these two different dogs? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. What? Wow. Exactly. Sorry, I'm just processing. Incredible. And all the scenes of them spitballing script ideas, as you had in that clip, to make sure the plot functions properly, just draws attention to how functional the film is. And their finest is a very functional film. And there's nothing wrong with that but it attempts to undercut the coziness of what is established by having the reality of what living in london in the 40s was like so there's bombings and you know houses blow up and you wake up in the morning and your street might be demolished and there's a particular point where the plot kind of twists in a shocking but not successful direction and i felt a bit like it was a cheap trick. It was a bit like, oh, you thought you were just watching some cozy movie? The war was bad. And fuck you for thinking that. It's like, the only reason I thought it was cozy is because the entire aesthetic of the movie up to this point was that. You can't just have your film be 80% meaningless fluff, 2% tragedy, and 80% fluff. That's right. just uncool. That's uh, totally inconsistent. Yeah, like, I, um, there are many tragic world events for which, you know, like, that wouldn't work, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like... Yeah, I still feel like it'd be flip of me to suddenly cite one and be like, <laughs> you know. But it, yeah, it's like if the tone of your film is like relax, then you can't blame the audience for you know. Yes, exactly. Things. My yeah. point. And on this point, the film, um, one of the aspects of the film is that it's trying to address the sexism of the day, but it does so in quite a clumsy way. 
And to briefly explain the plot of the film within the film, it's about these two sisters who borrowed their uncle's boat to go to Dunkirk to rescue the soldiers. And Gemma Arterton, throughout the filmmaking process, is always arguing for them to have more agency and for the uh, the women not just be um, secondary to the men. Uh, but this is not too dissimilar to the film itself and both the film within the film and the film are guilty of indulging in female cliches and like for example the other female character who gets the most screen time other than Gemma Austin is this sort of like no-nonsense kind of producer lady but she herself is as much of a stock character as the broad characters in this propaganda movie and I mean the whole film is done in broad strokes but if you're trying to make a point about sexism it particularly grates with the female characters so it's a bit like, it's not particularly progressive if your feminist tale uses female cliches in a way which is just very rote. Yeah. Uh, so that kind of was a bit of a missed opportunity, I feel. And you can't really make fun of the lack of nuance and broad strokes of 1940s filmmaking styles if your film is made 70 years later and just is the same broad strokes, but just a bit more polished. Yeah. So I felt the final act of the movie let itself down. But for the most part, it's very untaxing kind of Sunday night drama fair. Sam and Danny both watched a film and they decided to record a few opinions on the things they saw. You're gonna hear them in a moment or so. There could be angry disagreements, but their views are normally quite close. A joint review shared between two podcast brothers. Do they let one another speak or do they interrupt each other? The light is on, the guys are in, so let the chat Blockbuster review time. The review you've all been waiting for, Guardians of the Galaxy 2. It's the latest Marvel film. The Marvel train is chugging on. They're still producing these great fun, 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 fun films. Um, it's the sequel to Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, which was one of their, I guess, seen as a more riskier project because it was characters that no one had heard of and some of them were a bit wacky. There was the plant guy and the raccoon Whoa, guy. Mental. They're all painted different colours. Uh, but it came out, everybody loved it. It was a super fun, uh, colorful space romp. Um, and it's back. The whole gang is back. It's directed once again by James Gunn, who's also written it. And uh, this catches up with the Guardians, this sort of roving gang of fun space mercenaries, as they have taken on a task to uh, protect some space nonsense from a monster. And they end up encountering Chris Pratt's dad. Chris Pratt's the main uh, mercenary, Star Lord. And his dad turns up, played by Kurt Russell, and uh, he learns a little bit more about his heritage. And they all, each of the guardians, has some kind of uh, arc involving their involvement in a family, biological or otherwise. Here's a clip of some of the hilarious banter in the film as they're flying through an asteroid field. Quill, to make it through that, you'd have to be the greatest pilot in the universe. Lucky for us, I am. I... <laughs> What are you doing? I've been flying this rig since I was 10 years old. Later on tonight, you're going to be laying down. There's going to be something squishy in your pillowcase. And it's going to be because I put a turd in there. You put your turd in my bed. I shave you. Oh, it won't be my turd. It'll be Drax's. <laughs> I have famously huge turds. Can we put the bickering on hold until after we survive this massive space battle? Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. He, he, he. Hilarious. Fun. Great so fun. fun. So much fun. So... Uh, I think I enjoyed this a bit more than Danny did. Danny was quite down on it, are you not? I thought it was crap. I thought it was crap. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I I I kind of enjoyed the experience of watching it. 
I think that the main obstacle that the movie has is basically that it presents itself as more overtly comic than the other films in the Marvel canon. It's a, as much of a comedy as it is anything else. And poor James Gunn, he's just not that funny. I just, I know that sounds patronizing, uh, but that's okay. He's never going to hear this. I just didn't think he's that sharp a writer and his gags don't zing. And no. the main thing that I struggled with watching the movie was the bad gags. They really like, fell flat. They felt they're flat. They're, they're flat as, as pancakes. And not only that, but a lot of them are not particularly interwoven into the pacing of the film. And it made me long for a Joss Whedon type who just makes it all kind of zip along, even when the jokes are not, you know, gut-bustingly hilarious. Whereas in this film, they kept stopping for bits, you know, to do a little bit. Yeah. And and they're quite extended. And you could sort of tell when they get into it. And it's a bit like, here we go again. We're going to, you know, I can tell this is supposed to be a belly laugh and they're going to really stretch this one out. And there was something a bit off on, like, you know, the the content of the jokes and the pacing of them. You know, it was just like, it was real school play type stuff. And I think that was the biggest issue. The other kind of, you know, working out of the story and the character arcs and all that kind of functional stuff, I thought was basically fine. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and there's an obvious, like... Uh, even though you know it's uh, slightly clumsily executed he clearly loves these characters and he is invested in them and he wants it to be a proper story as well not just like a purely frivolous exercise in colorful nonsense and I thought that there you can as as often with the Marvel movies even though they're these kind of corporate produced bear moss they are made by these like committed nerds who are trying to tell good stories and you can tell that that's coming through, basically. Right. So I bought into it enough to enjoy it. And I think that it was visually quite spectacular as well. A lot of the the sort of aesthetic style of it is very, like, paperback, sci-fi, secondhand novel kind of thing. Very, very colorful and very out there. It's more visually out there than the first movie, I think. And every time there was a new setting, I was excited to see what they're going to do. Because it, it, it was really trying to be as like creative and uh exciting to look at as possible and i think for the most part it succeeded although you know at the end it gets a little bit like dull because they sort of stuck in the same place but yeah. in general they arrive at a new place and there's some cool stuff to look at and yeah the performances are relatively charming there's an issue with chris pratt he is i really like chris pratt uh he's a very charming guy but hollywood i think misuses him now that he has been to the gym a lot he's super handsome He's, like, got muscles coming out everywhere that they should come out. But his charm involves the sort of underdog, slightly incompetent, you know, thing that he does in Parks and Recreation. That's, like, what makes him so funny and endearing. And when he plays a total badass who can do everything incredibly well and is just a complete hero, that makes him less charming, you know? Uh, And so it's like tying one arm behind his back in terms of his screen presence to just make him awesome. Yeah, I agree. So that was a bit of an issue. Well, I mean, I think the movie's terrible. I've decided I just really don't like it. Okay. <laughs> I feel like there's the term fun to describe a movie has become a very suspicious, in, suspicion-inducing term for me. When people say fun, they mean it's colourful, but fucking built on sand. And you know what I think is fun? A coherent film that makes sense. Okay, it's got this whole thing about his dad issues with Yondu. They don't meet till the final five minutes of the movie. That's just bad screenwriting. And it's got a problem which I think a lot of Marvel films have, which is like, how seriously am I supposed to be taking this? It's super reverent, but then I'm supposed to care about any of these people? 
they're so one note. It's like, well, maybe I was never going to enjoy this movie because it follows in the lineage of Marvel sequels like Iron Man 2 or Thor 2, which just doubled down on the original. Yeah, it's very, it's, it is very much like those, actually. And I didn't think the original was much to get excited about, to be honest with you. But, so basically, it's everything from the first movie and very little new things. It's very safe. It it's, is very much so. But it also starts to repeat itself within the film itself. So it was heavily trailed in the uh, heavily trailed in the trailer, such as the nature of trailers, with like Groot not understanding which button to press. But like every joke is the same. He doesn't understand instructions. Drax says something blunt or heartfelt. Uh, Raccoon is just a prick. It's just like every character. They don't have characters. They, they just have the joke subscribed to them. Gamora has nothing to do like she did in the first movie. Women are boring, so they don't get stuff to do. I think it's a bit more to do because there's like I don't know I feel like you could stop the movie halfway through and I could have told you everything that was going to happen it's just I don't know it's supposed to be this galaxy hopping ideas fest and it's really low on ideas and I really felt like I wasted my time watching it I feel like the Marvel thing is I've come to expect a pretty free starish movie and it wasn't even that yeah uh, I don't know. I think that the the uh, difference is probably like one of degree more than like a drastically different analysis of the film. You will I, agree with me. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two is like an incredible because <laughs> it, it, it patently isn't. But I but I found it to be a pleasant enough watch. The main issue is the bad gags. If it had had better gags, I think I could have generally put up with everything else and found it to be fine. But it didn't make me laugh enough. But Visually lovely. My favorite film stars Bridget Bardo. She's the queen, but she wants to be in radio. So she starts a podcast with her friends, and the terrorists try to stop her, but she beats them in the end. Dougal. Yes. First thing that comes in your mind, just say it. Well, uh, the other day I had to buy a gift for our mutual friend Stuart, so I went to FOP, which is the the preserve of, of you know. Quality, quality goods. Quality, quality DVDs, quality, music. Quality produce. Um, and so you're in FOP. I'm in FOP, and I wanted to buy him a DVD, and I found the best looking DVD in the shop, which is called Frogs, and had a big one meter by one meter frog, with a human hand coming out of its mouth and blood all down its front. It's a horror film. And um, it's a horror film. Yeah. It's a rom com. <laughs> And um and I took it up to the guy and the guy's like I can't sell you this film, this film is too bad. What don't you want something else? I'll give you Krampus. Here, have Krampus. This is great. This is much better film. Have this. I said why? What's wrong with it? And he said the people brought it back. I've had five people bring it back. It's so terrible. The frogs aren't even frogs. They're toads. Is this Nothing true? happens. And so I said okay. Well, just please give me the DVD. <coughs> And eventually he gave it to me for free. Wow. Wow. Because he didn't want me to bring it back. Um, and I gave it to Stuart, and now I'm worried that I've given him, like, you know, an upsettingly terrible film that he will hate me for and never speak to me again. Was it his birthday? Mm. You weren't invited. He doesn't like you. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. That son of a bitch. But wait, but why were you saying... invited so... the core. Why did you pick this film up in the first place? Does he love frogs? Yeah. I don't, I, I, don't know. I don't know the man, obviously. That's why I'm not invited to his shindigs. He's a man of few words. I don't know that much about him, but I imagine that... He one of the words he said him. was frogs. Uh, he, he, he doesn't say many words, but he does say the word frogs. He just said, frogs. <laughs> frogs. 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 That makes it sound like he's haunted by frogs. 
It sounds like that's an awful present to give him. Anyway, so I, I don't know. I haven't heard it. I haven't heard from it. I don't know what happened. Tell him, to write in. Tell him to write in a review of the film Frogs. Or otherwise, uh, Deagle, you got to come back on and finish this. Yeah, this is an unfinished story, I feel. There's a... Uh, there's more to come. Well, I'm worried that, you know, because the guy was very mysterious, I'm worried that it has, like, you know, terrible scenes. It's or... like The Ring or something. Yeah. Did he really Did he really say that it's multiple people have brought this specific film back? Mm. That's right. He knew his stuff. He had a he had long hair down to here. He had a bit of a Your paunch. Your audio, you need to turn this off. Oh. He had long hair <laughs> down to... <laughs> Down to three and a half inches below my chin, which is where my hand is now. <laughs> there you go. That is long. And a paunch, you say? Yeah. He so he had ha- hair and your gut to hide his knowledge of films. <laughs> Fair enough. Yep. Um, okay, so a mere 10 or 15 weeks after we initially announced our move to Acast, we have uh, gotten rid of all the little uh, wrinkles involved in the transfer and our iTunes feed is now up and running. The Acast page is looking lovely. Great. Uh, great. So subscribe to the new feed. All the instructions will be in the most obvious place you could think of on Facebook, on the description of this episode, probably, wherever you're listening to it. And on our SoundCloud page, there will be a, a trailer or a little video, not a video, but an audio clip. That will explain to you how to subscribe uh, to the new feed and tell you off for being on SoundCloud, the wrong place to be. So uh, so catch us there on our new fancy platform. Enjoy the ads, the very exciting new ads. Get some new products through them. Um, yeah. Yeah, some new products and services. Plus you get a do-do-do-do-ding um, before everything. Yeah, and that, that's That'll not that's not easy to come by. So, so yeah, and join us next week where we will review what? Some films? I'm just going to come back very combative I'm going to skewer Danny over Guardians which I because he hated it so much I've decided it's probably the best film ever made Marvel fanboy going to actually skewer with my great my great arguments I'm going to come back with my my t-shirt and my like loot crate uh, statuette of Iron Man which I like take to bed every night because I love Marvel so much Get me loot crates, and I and I want to I want a sample box, and I want to fuck everything in it, uh, and then uh, lord that over Danny. I don't know. Wait, is that me winning? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah. So is there anything particular we're going to review next week? Maybe we'll watch Lady Macbeth or something, and then we want to see that. Let's watch Lady Macbeth. Why yeah, not? Why not? Let's why not? do it. Let's do it. We'll do that. Dougal, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, nice. Dougal. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's thank been a you. pleasure having you here. Quite reassuring, actually. It's just nice having you around. Um, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see you then. I want to fall asleep on a beach and be able to walk the next day, or stay up all night on accident. I want to wear a white T-shirt without looking like I forgot to get dressed. I want to be terrified of AIDS. I want to have an opinion about those boring-ass Marvel movies. And I want those opinions to be of any concern to the people making them. I want to live in the same home for more than a year. Order wine without feeling nervous. Have a resume full of crazy mistakes instead of crazy lies. I want stories and wisdom, perspective. I want to have so much behind me, I'm not a slave to what's in front of me. Especially these 
flavor with unremarkable marble muffins. But they are so not a big deal. I know. It's just all there is. Yes, and you get to say that. I could screw myself if I say it, but there's pressures on me you don't have to live under. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.